Hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts in the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and today on this edition of The Conversation, I'm chatting with Allison Homer. She is Senior Community Specialist with Fairfax County's Office of Environmental and Energy Coordination. She's here with us today to talk about Fairfax County's Resilient Fairfax Plan, what it is and why it's important. Allison, thanks for being here on the County Conversation Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So, uh, broad overview. Let's talk about Resilient Fairfax Plan, what it is, but also understand there's another climate plan that your office does, so it may be confusing. So, I'll just kind of start there and let you go with that wherever you want to go. Sure. So Fairfax County is addressing both the cause and the effects of climate change. So on the cause side, we're doing our part in this sort of global group initiative to reduce emissions that contribute to climate change. So that plan um, is called CCAP, or the Community Wide Energy and Climate Action Plan. So that, that one is all about emissions reduction. On the effects side of climate change, um, we're addressing the impacts that we feel locally, um, such as increases in flooding and extreme heat and storms. And that's what Resilient Fairfax focuses on, building resilience to those effects. Okay. So when you use resilience in the term of climate change, what does that mean? Yeah. So resilience means being able to bounce back fully from climatic shocks and stressors without having permanent loss. So, for example, if you have a severe flooding event, um, if you don't have any resilience built in, um, you might have, you know, loss of life. If there's, you know, people who get caught in the flooding, usually in their cars, or as we saw in our neighbors in D.C., the the dogs that got that got caught in flooding. Um, so that's permanent loss that we're trying to avoid. So with resilience built in. If you have, for example, policies that don't allow people to be located in flood-prone areas in the first place, or you have stormwater management ordinances that help our our, our stormwater be managed more effectively, um, or other sorts of uh, resilience-related policies, then when the flooding strikes, you're more able to bounce back without having the the permanent loss occur. Okay. So Resilient Fairfax Plan is looking to address that. Right. Resiliency. Exactly. We're building up our armor, basically, so that we are stronger um, in the as we're facing the effects of climate change. So we know that these hazards are um, increasing both in severity and frequency. And so we're trying to adapt to that and make sure that we are prepared uh, for those impacts so that they don't affect us as intensely. What are what are some of the things in the plan? I mean, do you have any concrete examples of things in the plan? Absolutely. So there are 48 strategies wow. in Resilient Fairfax. They're organized into four pillars. Okay. So the first pillar is uh, resilient infrastructure and buildings. So that means boosting the resilience of, of infrastructure, both uh, infrastructure that we manage directly as a county. So that's like our stormwater pipes. And then also partnering uh, to upgrade infrastructure that's not directly within our control. So, for example, we partner with Metro because Metro tracks buckle in the heat and Metro stations flood. Um, We partner with Dominion Energy and Novec. 
um, in Washington gas to make sure that there are, you know, fewer power outages. Um, so upgrading the, the resilience of our, our buildings and our infrastructure systems. Um, the second pillar is climate ready communities. And a lot of that is service oriented. So there are many, uh, services that the county already provides that help to enhance the resilience of our communities. Um, but sometimes communities don't know that those services exist. So we're trying to make sure that people who need those services have better access to them. So, for example, the Department of Family Services provides financial assistance for people who can't afford air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And that's really important as extreme heat becomes more common. Um, so just making sure that the word is spread about that opportunity. Similarly, the Department of Public Works and Environmental Services um, provides help for flooding. So you can submit flooding service requests. Uh, Northern Virginia Soil and Water Conservation District also has um, flooding-related help through their conservation assistance program. Um, so it's boosting access to services like that um, to make our communities more, more climate-ready. Um, and also updating our, our policies and our development codes. Um, so, for example, sometimes our flooding is worse when we've paved over large areas of right, land right. because the water can't sink into the ground. Go, yeah. It has nowhere to go. Um, so looking at, at how we develop our communities mm. and what those standards are and whether we can encourage more green infrastructure and green space in, in those standards so that the water can, can better sink in. Mm. And then the third pillar um, is adaptive environments. Um, so our natural resources, uh, when they're healthy, they naturally provide great resilience uh, for us. So, for example, when our wetlands are healthy, they absorb a lot of flood water and they absorb storm surge. When our urban forestry is healthy, it reduces our uh, urban heat island effect and it also absorbs a lot of a lot of flood water. Um, so we can restore and protect those natural resources that are naturally already providing a great deal of resilience for us. And then the final pillar is integrated action planning. Um, so that's uh, setting up the foundation for success through uh, proper funding and interagency coordination, um, legislative action, um, and other you know data-related needs. All right. So four pillars in this plan with 48, uh, would you call them goals? Strategy. Strategies. Okay. All right. Um, this wasn't just developed overnight and you guys twinkled your nose like, you know, bewitched and it, it came into being. What was the process of getting this plan put together and how long did it take? Yeah, so it was a very intensive planning uh, process, yeah. um, but we pulled off the, the plan in only a, a year and a half. It was a wow. very, uh, very aggressive schedule. Um, that was only possible due to uh, amazing interagency collaboration and buy-in. Um, so we have over 25 agencies, 150 staff um, involved. And uh, we definitely couldn't couldn't do it without that without that buy-in. But so the process was, we had basically a series of analytical steps to see what we need to do. So first, we looked at how the climate is changing here in Fairfax County locally. Um, so you know we all see sort of uh, news or reports about how climate is changing on a global scale, but. For Fairfax County specifically, we needed data that's relevant to our locality. So how is our precipitation changing specifically? How is our temperature changing specifically? How 
how are our storms becoming more frequent in Fairfax County exactly? So we have all of that that data that created the foundation for, okay, what exactly is happening for us? Um, the key takeaway of that is warmer, wetter, weirder. So in Fairfax County, we're uh, experiencing warmer conditions, uh, more extreme heat, wetter conditions, so more flooding, and then weirder conditions, so uh, more severe storms and then erratic uh, weather patterns. Um, and we have data on that's going up soon on our climate action dashboard that uh, will make that easier for for the general public to see to see those trends. You mentioned warmer, wetter, weirder. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there is there an example or a couple of examples you could you could shed that would you know enlighten our listeners and me, perhaps? Absolutely. So we actually graphed every single uh, daily temperature since 1962 wow. um, from from 1962 to 2022. And you can see it's just a very clear linear upward trajectory um, when you average it by, by year. Um, so that has already gone up by about four, four degrees, the average temperature. Hmm. Um, and then it's projected to, to continue increasing um, and then we have more extreme heat days per year. The biggest change in heat, though, actually has been uh, nights. So mm-hmm. our nights are much warmer than they used to be. They're not cooling down like they used to. Mm-hmm. So we have this fascinating graph of the number of nights that never dropped below 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And that is a very steep line. Um, so that that's the biggest change is the nights mm-hmm. are staying warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important for, for people who can't afford air conditioning. They never have the, the ability to, to cool down at, at night. In terms of wetter, um, the biggest change is that the storms are more uh, intense than they used to be. Mm. So our if you look at the total amount of rain we get over a full year, right. that's only increased a little bit. But what has changed is rather than getting that rain gently over a long right. period of time, right. We have a sudden downpour and then nothing and then a sudden downpour. So we track that using flash flood data um, and intensity data. Uh, so that's the biggest change in terms of um, the, the wetter category. Right. Doesn't snow also fall into the wetter category? I mean, uh, I think last year we didn't have really any significant snow, if I remember correctly. My memory is horrible. But I think if I heard the forecast this year, they're expecting above average snowfall in our area so how does snow fall into wetter because snow melts it's water right (laughs) yeah yeah snow is an interesting one it is considered uh, precipitation so it is counted in in terms of the overall precipitation amounts but because the average temperatures are increasing uh, sometimes that combination means less snow in terms of this year um, el nino is the major reason why more snow is is predicted. Um, so these models can be a little bit uh, complex when you're when you're combining uh, like average change and then other factors like like El Nino. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We're talking with Allison Homer. She is the senior community specialist with Fairfax County's Office of Environmental and Energy Coordination. We're talking about Fairfax County's resilient Fairfax plan, what it is and why it's important. Um, Climate change. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Basic explanation, if you will, what climate change is and what's causing it. I mean, is that a simple answer? 
Yeah, so climate is often confused with weather, but there's a, a mm. key difference. Um, so this sort of relates back to what we were just talking about. Um, so climate, by definition, means your average conditions that you experience over 20 years or longer. Oh, okay. So if you were to map every single weather condition over at least 20 years, that average line is is your climate, and that's how we're able to say that certain areas have a that, tropical climate, yeah, yeah or, a, okay. or a temperate climate or a polar climate. Um, and then in terms of change, so if, if the climate was steady, you would expect to a flat line. Um, so, but when we, when we see a line that's steeply upwards in terms of your, your weather events, that's how you know that it, it's changing. So sometimes people will say, oh, well, it was really cold today, so much for climate change. And right. that, that's the key difference between weather and climate because you need to look at at least 20 years of, of data to, to see climate. Okay. Interesting. Didn't, didn't know that. So I've, I've learned something today already. So thanks for that. Um, I know we're kind of focusing on county agencies, infrastructure, partnerships with other organizations. Uh, we're talking about the Resilient Fairfax Plan. Is there something listeners could do um, to help address this, this issue and kind of tie in with the Resilient Fairfax Plan? Yeah, absolutely. So there are small things that, that you can do to enhance your resilience. Um, you can reduce the amount of paved surface on your property. So if you have, you know, a, a backyard that's just totally covered in, in asphalt or concrete, consider uh, removing that because the, the less impervious surface we have, the more our water is able to sink back in rather than flooding um, our communities. Um, you can plant a, a native or resilient uh, shade tree to help reduce um, urban heat island effects. Um, you can report flooding to Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. Um, you can, um, if you can't afford air conditioning, you can apply for, for cooling assistance from the Department of Family Services. But I think something that everyone can do is get to know your neighbors because we've seen nationwide that communities who are more socially connected are are more resilient. So if you imagine, mm. for example, uh, in Hurricane Katrina, the communities where everybody knew everybody, they knew who was missing and who to look out for. Um, yeah. And uh, fewer people get, get left behind. So uh, get to know your neighbors, uh, make sure you're, you're socially connected and you'll be more, more resilient. Just probably makes a I know this is not proper English, but more funner neighborhood anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Getting, getting Lots of benefits. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I want to make sure I give you the chance to give us a, a resource or resources where folks can learn more about the plan, your office, anything else they want to know. So let me get you to do that here before we before I forget it, actually, honestly. <laughs> so where could folks go to get more info? Sure. So the easiest way is to go to fairfaxcounty.gov and search Resilient Fairfax. Um, so there you can find the plan itself and all of the technical reports and some fun data um, as well. Now that's two words I don't often hear together, fun <laughs> and data. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get into this? Are, are, are you or were you a data nerd? Um, so not necessarily a data nerd, but I've always wanted to be a climate planner, even if I didn't know that terminology. Oh, so. This is really cheesy, but let, literally since since childhood, I've had fascination with two things that are both part of climate planning. So 
um, the environment in general, including climate. And then the second one is urban design and, and how communities are, are structured. Mm-hmm. So literally in, in elementary school, I would tell my classmates about how lucky we were to live in a walkable community where we could walk to the grocery store and school and rec center. I, I grew up in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, and they were like, okay, let's go right. swing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and I was part of this after school program at Rainbow Riders where the director, Christy Snyder, had us adopt a manatee and we like did oh. a deep dive into like what the threats the manatee is facing. And, um, I had other great teachers who uh, taught me about, you know, forests and the importance of, of maintaining them and, uh, why deforestation is bad. Um, shout out to my, wonderful AP environmental science teacher, uh, Dr. Kolotosti, who was uh, essential in in my trajectory. Um, But at the time, climate planning wasn't a thing. That wasn't a degree and it wasn't a job. And so I instead pursued two master's degrees, one in each topic. So uh, one in urban planning and the other one in global natural resources. Um, And then I went through a series of jobs that each had one of the skill sets I needed. So I mm. worked as an urban planner and uh, zoning, uh, did community development, did air quality testing, uh, environmental nonprofits, climate research, environmental consulting. Finally, this job existed and I jumped jumped <laughs> right. at the opportunity right. to uh, meet both of my interests in one job. Two masters, I feel smarter just sitting here in the same room with you. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be tough. It, it was, but but rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Look where it landed you. I guess the air quote here, dream job, I guess. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely my dream job. Yeah. So I'm very happy that it exists. Well, since it's your dream job, do you feel like you're fulfilling your dream of making climate better for everybody in Fairfax County through the Resilient Fairfax Plan and everything else your office does? Um, I think this is a very large group effort. Hmm. So I would never take uh, credit. Um, Like I mentioned before, there are over 150 staff from 25 agencies that are implementing this plan. Um, And no one person can can, uh, do this alone. So I'm but I'm very thankful to work in a county where um, there is such wonderful interagency collaboration, and uh, we have people from all different disciplines who are are stepping up to to try to make our county more more resilient. Yeah. You know what the old uh, the old saying is. You know they say it. You know if you find something you enjoy doing, you know it's not you're not ever working a day in your life because you're enjoying what you're doing. Um, before we go, you've already given us the resource. Is there any uh, resource webpage? Or just you know, search on fairfaxcounty.gov for a resilient Fairfax plan. Is there anything I haven't asked you, or anything you would want our listeners to take away from this podcast about the resilient Fairfax plan, climate change, the Office of an, uh, Environmental and Energy Coordination? Anything you want to leave us with? I think just uh, stay tuned and let us know if if you want to be involved. We do have a community advisory group, um, mm-hmm. and we will be giving an update to the the board. Um, of Supervisors Environmental Committee on December 12th. Uh, so that'll have more detail on the progress of implementation of not just Resilient Fairfax, but all of our climate plans. Um, so the emissions reduction side as well. Um, we're also updating our, our dashboard for people who want to see uh, graphs and, and data. <laughs> um, so so stay tuned and um, and we look forward to, to working with everybody to make more Resilient Fairfax. That's awesome. Allison, thank you for this. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Glad to have you. Allison Homer with us from uh, Fairfax County's Office of Environmental and Energy Coordination. Thanks to her for being here. Thanks to you for listening, obviously. If you want to get more Fairfax County news, just go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash news. You can also call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. That is weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. The County Conversation Podcast is produced by the Fairfax County Virginia Government.